Welcome into an emergency episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, site manager at Second City Hockey on Twitter at DML57. Every Well, it's a slightly different cast we've got assembled for this emergency episode. You know why we're here. Uh, Eric Agenheimer is here, not on Twitter. Shepard Price is here on Twitter at Jehovah's Witness. Betsy's here. She's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. Uh, wanted to bring everybody in really quickly so we can get right to the big news of the day that dropped a few hours ago. I still don't think it's been made official, but um, based on who's reporting it, it pretty much is official that Patrick Kane's going to the New York Rangers for a couple of draft picks. We'll get into it later uh, on the return and everything. I just wanted to get everyone's initial thought on just reaction to the news. And I'm going to start with Eric because Eric and I were sitting next to each other at what is now Patrick Kane's last home game against the Vegas Golden Knights when his final act as a member of the Blackhawks was scoring a goal that was later overturned by officials review. Um, and uh, we've talked about briefly about our thoughts on this, Eric. So I want to get your thoughts because I think I'm a kind of in the similar boat as you on what your reaction was when the news finally hit today. Kind of, yeah, a little bit of a relief. Just it's been a long, slow kind of crawl to get to this point, um, especially you know, it's picked up the last couple of days that he's stayed home uh, and he didn't go with the team on the trip and he wasn't in San Jose. He was back in Chicago skating by himself. So, I mean, especially as the Rangers became the obvious choice, it sounded like it was a matter of when and not if um, just kind of what the return would be overall. But I think there was kind of the weird back and forth, you know, so far all season where it's, are they going to ask, you know, him and Jonathan Taves, obviously Taves isn't going anywhere, but are they going to ask out? And, you know, he never really made up his mind until, I don't know if the Tarasenko deal was the thing that kind of really solidified it for him or made him feel like, you know, he got a little jealous, whatever you want to say. Um, but obviously something shifted in the last few weeks here and that was enough for him to decide to waive his no move. Um, and then they were able to facilitate, you know, the trade with the Rangers. And that obviously sounded like that was the only place he was really interested in going. Um, so now he gets to go play with Panarin in theory, I guess, and, you know, cause Tarasenko's there to play with Panarin yeah. too. I don't so think they'll kind of, yeah, I don't think they've had a chance to tweet out any lines yet. I did see some blue shirt banter. People tweet out a, a combo that did have Kane and Panarin opposite each other, but we'll find they play against the flyers tomorrow night. And I think the expectation is that Kane's going to be there. So, well, I saw somebody made the joke too. How are the three of them going to play together? And it gave me flashbacks to when Patrick Kane was the second line center for like, what was it? a third of a season or something a while ago. So, right. Um, right. But yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of if he's on the top power play, who he's playing with, um, you know, who his, who the center is going to be. If he ends up with like Zibanejad and Kreider, or if he ends up with Panarin. Um, but yeah, it sounds like, yeah, from what you were saying tomorrow night against the flyers, that'll probably be his first game. Yeah. Uh, Shay, what about you? 
Sorry, I find it disturbing <laughs> that he's going to be best friends uh, through best friends with Vladimir Tarasenko now. Um, that's a little <laughs> weird. Yeah. Uh, well, I think as we discussed a few weeks ago, like I, I never really hated. I only hated Tarasenko because he was on the Blues, and I'm glad he's not on the Blues anymore because now I can enjoy him because he's a legitimately entertaining hockey player to watch. Now you'll have someone to actually, and you'll have other players to watch on uh, the New York Rangers too. Um, I think this really comes down to uh, how far the Rangers get. Um, if it was worth it for for Kane, um, they have a very tough. If it is that opening matchup between New Jersey and New York. Yeah, it's a very which, tough which opening. Seems matchup. like it will be unless something catastrophic happens in the standings. Then you've also got Carolina. Yeah, in well, the second and, round. And if they were in the other division in the East, their options would be Toronto, Tampa, and Boston. So it's like pick your poison. Like, but you're going to have to beat some of those teams eventually, anyway. So you know, might as well get it out of the way as soon as you can. Yeah, that is that the East is again stacked this year, and they keep making moves to make themselves even more stacked, and it's. It's gonna be an interesting. It's gonna be an interesting playoffs on the east side. I think it's gonna be a. Mm-hmm. Well, this is either gonna be Vegas or Colorado in the West. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can't remember the last time I cared about the Western Conference playoffs. Probably about eight years ago now. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say twenty fifteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Betsy, what about you? What were your initial thoughts when the news came down? Um, similar to you and Eric, where it was like, I'm just glad it's done-ish i mean like we're right we're saying it's done as if it's official but done as much as we're it's going to be done for us um now we get to you know do the whole like who's going to be super bitter who's <laughs> just going to be like sad who's going to be like happy that kane got to go and I'm all like that's going to be fun in the fandom for a while because this this always happens um when popular players are traded mm-hmm there's always that mix in the the fandom. Um, but I mean, this was always coming. So this, this wasn't a shocker. The only surprising thing was that they didn't get um, any type of prospect thrown in, like even like yeah. a lower one, but at the same time, it's not really surprising either. There's just, there was just no leverage. Um, and then so, somebody was trying, like, somebody had mentioned, they're like, well, why did Tarasenko get so much more? And I was like, did he get that much? Did the Blues really get that much more? Um, they got a replacement pl- uh, level player. They got a D-level prospect that's in the ECHL right now. They got a fourth round pick. And then they got a first, which a late first is going to, is of similar value to a second anyway. Um, and the cane pick could become a late first too, depending on what the Rangers do. So technically they weren't really that different. Yeah. Like when you lay it all out there. So I, I get that it's not the return that fans wanted, but it, and it's not the return that Patrick Kane really deserves as a player, but the same thing could be said about practically every player that had a new, no movement clause and a one team list in the last right forever so in a, in a vacuum yeah in a vacuum it looks like a shitty trade but you have to fully understand all of the circumstances involved here the the no movement clause the the salary cap like the rangers had to give up i believe it was a third round pick to the coyotes so that the coyotes would come in and retain 50 percent just to make the trade work so it's th- there's a lot more than just um like the on paper k 
cocaine for a couple picks. And just to, so all our listeners know, uh, it was a 2023 second round pick, which can become a first round pick if the Rangers make the conference finals. Although that first round pick would not be in the 2023 draft. It would only be in the 2024 or 2025 drafts because the 23 draft is the one everybody wants to be a part of. And the Hawks also got a fourth round. Yeah. Fourth round pick in 2023 from the Rangers. So they can't get the 2023 because that's the one that's Tarasenko's. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, again, it's does feel like a mildly underwhelming return, but it, it did kind of get to a point of um, what could you uh, get what you can while you can, because this is probably, this is the their last chance to trade Kane. Is that, or he, or maybe leaves in free agency. And like there was, there's already a few of our, our commenters were already like, well, what happens in the summer? Uh, I don't want to go down that road yet because I'm sure once the playoffs end, there will be two to three months of will Patrick Kane sign back with the Blackhawks, um, which might largely hover around what happens with the Hawks in the draft lottery. But we can have that discussion when we get to May and June uh, in, instead of now. Um, the main thing I just want to get into right now is just more of a, a reminiscent of the entire Patrick Kane era because um, – for all of us who are between the ages roughly of 25 and 35, like Patrick Cade has been on the Blackhawks for more than half of our lives, just about maybe slightly, uh, slightly less than me, but a significant portion of our lives. So as we have been watching the Blackhawks for the last decade, plus Patrick Cade's been on the team and now it's suddenly gone. And it's just, it's a really like stark realization that's slowly settling in that like, might not have what might not be watching another Patrick Kane Blackhawks game ever again. And that's a really crazy thing to realize. And if any of you three had similar thoughts today. Well, it feels like it's kind of, that's what happened with most of the players of this era. You know, nobody really rode off into the sunset. Like Hosa, obviously that was unexpected. That was sudden, you know, Seabrook kind of, the injuries crept up on him after three years um, of everybody talking about how much he sucked, which yeah, is unfortunate. Exactly. Um, you know, John Merson was traded very surprisingly, you know, Keith asked out, but he had kind of aged down and, you know, that was most likely going to be his last year as well. Yeah. So it's, and then even oh. obviously, you know, the big one is, is Taves and we still don't know if we're ever going to see yeah. him come back again. So it's just, it's, the time and even like Crawford went and then just kind of yeah, randomly they told, retired. They told, they told Crawford they wouldn't bring him back and then he went to Devils and then retired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did think about that, but that is a very good point. That uh like every player you every player from that era like kind of had an unceremonious ending. Except for like Kimo Timon. <laughs> <laughs> so the trick is to uh to uh the uh, die hero live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Yeah, that is that is kind of dark, but that is the that is kind of the cutthroat nature of professional sports in that uh, it the storybook ending is the ultimate exception. It is not the rule. And no. everything that's happening with the Blackhawks now is pretty solid evidence of that. Uh, Shay, what about you? Yeah, almost no almost nobody gets the Derek Jeter farewell Ugh. 162 game. And we could at least talk season. about a good professional athlete. Uh and so, yeah, like even <laughs> even guys like Dustin Bufflin, who started their their career with the Blackhawks, he just walked off the ice one day, and everyone was like, "Okay, he'll be back." And then he just never came. He just never appeared in public again. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was went fishing. He was like, "All right, I'm done." 
Now, he's yeah. never, he, he didn't even really tell the chat. He was just like, I'm done. Um, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm already on the he's going to resign of the offseason bandwagon. <laughs> um, there's just, I he, I think he wants to be the number one Blackhawk too bad. And he's yeah. he's got a ways to go. I I don't think it even really depends on if they win the draft lottery. I think it's just like, yeah, he's probably going to come back. This is probably the Vermette. Treat treatment where you got where you, yeah. you got what you well, got for him. Well, that's because yeah, I feel like that's that was always comes up whenever a team legend anywhere goes somewhere else near the end of their careers. Uh, people always say, "Oh, maybe he'll come back." And I remember somebody made a, a response to that on Twitter once, and I I followed back with like, "All right, when has that ever actually happened?" And the response was Antoine Vermette. I'm like, "Oh shit, I forgot about that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Antoine I mean, Vermette went back. Vermette to the Coyotes is not quite the same as Kane to the Blackhawks. No, it is not. The principle stands. So I, I, I also they also were like very dead set on we will only ever trade you if you want to be traded and only to a team you want to be traded to. And while that hurt the the return for sure, um, it also probably improved relations with Patrick Kane. That this is like he gets one last shot at the playoffs probably. Um, yeah, gets out of his system. He's already accomplished everything you can accomplish in hockey. Uh, so just get get one more in there, get, yeah. get another title title run, give it a shot, and then probably come back and be like, okay, I'm gonna help develop the young guys now. I I think the biggest thing for me, like again, maybe if he comes back or whatever, but the, just the like I've always held out, even as all of the logic presented was mounting the evidence to the contrary. I've always held out hope that maybe Taves and Kane would get that right off into the sunset, and sometime in like 27, 28, um. They put it all together one last time, get a run with Bedard or whoever and win the cup. And then Taves and Kane retire together right off into the sunset. And because of this trade today, now that feels like it's just not going to happen. And even though that is a completely illogical thing with the way things have gone lately for this team, just oh, that yeah. little, that little strand of hope was, uh, it was just a nice thought to have. And now it's gone. And now I have, now I have nothing. That's, that's what made you lose. That's what made you lose that string of hope. Not the fact that Jonathan Taves essentially announced his retirement. That well, he like came forward finally well, with the thing that held him out for a year. We're, we're gonna we can get down the Taves road uh, next week or in future episodes or future articles of the website. Uh, I have no idea what the fuck's going on with that situation. I don't um, think he's ever going to play hockey again. I think we're going to Taves game. Well, I I was getting to that thought uh, uh, two or three years ago though, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I don't know, Betsy. Did you have any other thoughts of um? Like my, my realization of my, uh, the end of my hope. (laughs) Well, I'll say that it's weird because I I love Kane as a player. And so I thought I would feel like sadder right now. And maybe it just hasn't (laughs) hit, but my reactions to Jean Merson was probably the biggest reaction I, I had, um, other than Hosa, but they were different because Jalmerson was so shocking. Like, it was just mm-hmm. a, like, what the hell? You know? And also, he was my favorite. <laughs> after Seabrook. Seabrook and Jalmerson were my two. Like, I loved them. So, I was, like... And I always thought Seabrook would be a hawk for life. And he, he technically was. Um, ish. Like, whatever. The whole, like, <laughs> selling his contract, you know, BS. And then Hosa was, like... I think a lot of fans had, like, such an emotional attachment to him. Because he played in such a way that was just really easy to one love and he was such a good guy and he came in and was that like last piece 
And then his story was so cool. So mm-hmm. it's like all of these players, you had such emotional reactions. I think I'm going to have a bigger reaction if Kane signs with another team longer <laughs> term after this. I think my reaction will be like it's going to be delayed until until <laughs> then. Um, um, and for now, I'm just going to be I'm going to hope for the Hawks sake more than anything else that the Rangers do well. Yeah. Um, it would actually be, I think, pretty cool if he won the cup in New York. Because then he doesn't have anything else to prove, and he'll it, like that makes it seem even more likely that he'll come back to Chicago. Like he'll have been yeah. like, okay, cool, I went and did it again, and now I'm I'm back. Um, but also, I, I want that to be a first. Like there isn't a big <laughs> trade value diff. Like there isn't a big draft capital value difference between a late first and a second. But it does give the team a little bit of like preference for their own player. So yeah, okay. give them that. But Otherwise, I I'm, I was I'm still just super resigned. Like yeah, like, yeah, like, I, I, I yeah, I, I, and I think there were there were some uh, let's call them extenuating circumstances with Kane that might have already tra- uh, affected your feelings toward him. I, that I think a lot of people might have had, and we'll deal with that in a second. But um, like for me, the guy was Corey Crawford. Uh, when Corey Crawford was was they announced that they weren't bringing him back. That was the like oh man, this shit's over now. Like, like that was, that felt like the end of it for me, mainly because of the affinity I had developed for Corey Crawford. And also just like, if you're letting the goalie go, like th- this might be a wrap. Uh, Shay and Eric, what, who were your two, your players that were like, this is over now when, when they left town, maybe it was Kane today. I don't know. I it was the domino effect in 2017. I think Jalmerson, Hosa and Kruger all going, yeah. uh, just like defensively. And yeah. you could see it that next year. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the Panarin deal too, which I mean, I think at the time I felt like, you know, especially coming after like two straight disappointing playoffs and it was kind of like, okay, like they're changing it up. They're trying something else. Obviously none of us had any idea the type of player that he was or that mm-hmm. he was going to become. Um, but yeah, I think that those three, like so quick in secession right there, that was kind of like, okay, this isn't the same group, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot different going forward. Shay, what about you? Yeah, mine's weird. When they traded Brandon Saad the second time, it was like, oh, that's a, that's probably, we're probably not going to be good anytime soon again. Um, okay. because like that, getting him back was such a big thing for Taze and Kane. And then just to like, let him go to Colorado. It was like, Oh, you're announcing that we're basically done. And okay. then they traded for Seth Jones a year after for <laughs> yeah. reasons. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was a fun year and it's, it's going to be more fun years ahead, but didn't they also do the sod, uh, the Panarin for tra- sod trade during the 20? 20- 17 yeah, Austin? those were within like a half an hour of each other. They was, traded Panarin. They got Panarin for Saad. Saad back for Panarin, and then they traded Yalmerson and all that Arizona shit. Yeah, there was, there's like, the one thing this trade that the Patrick Kane stuff has brought back up are the people who hate Bowman. And, um, well, and, and, I, and I get that <laughs> to a degree, but there's a lot of revisionist history with Bowman's tenure with the Blackhawks because he was a very good manager like in terms of being able to uh, move parts around something that was already pretty good. So the core was here and he did a great job of like filling in those gaps. Um, Picking up Oduya was really smart. I think his trade with Letty was really smart. 
the uh, trade, Ben Smith picking up uh, Jordan. Like there were a lot of little things that Bowman did very smartly during that time. But the key was that he was very constrained by the cap. And so maybe that meant, you know, that limited stuff. The minute he got any runway, which was starting and he got it a little bit in 2016 and it just, it, like he played himself too much. Like he tried, he tried <laughs> to repeat some of the stuff he did before. And the first one was, uh, Deneau for trash. Yeah. If there was a Stan Bowman uncupped or, or uncapped <laughs> team, like if there, if the Blackhawks were able to play without a cap or with a luxury tax, that's a team I'd like to see. Cause you could probably have kept sod <laughs> and kept Gavgan Panarin and it'd be I like, mean, Whoa, if this that is, was true, this you could, the 2010 team would have never, yeah, you probably would never like that team alone could have won a ton. Um, it's art. Like, which of the three teams was really the best one? I think it's probably 12, two, huh? Twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I think it's thirteen too. But I think that two thousand and ten is so close that it's. But think about that two thousand and thirteen with like Bufflin on it. You know, like I mean, yeah. it's just such a fun and interesting, or like Campbell at his height. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. But, what? 2017 I, is when Bowman went off the rails. Well, just, yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say about you. It felt like, and and I think like an overreaction. This, the like the 17, 18, 19, 20 seasons understand Bowman. All of the missteps from those seasons, I think this is probably the this might be the like the final uh, ramification of all of that. Like the fact that Patrick Kane is gonna end his career somewhere else because the Blackhawks are tanking is because of how bad the Blackhawks were managed in the back half of the 2010s and that they have nothing here so that the new GM that came in decided to blow the whole thing up. And part of the shrapnel that is being blown up is Patrick Kane's career in Chicago. So, so yeah, if you would have played, I mean, ultimately like the, I think the reason Patrick Kane is getting traded is because of everything that Stan Bowman fucked up in the last four or five yes. years of his tenure. Yeah. Um, and I have, I have no problem with people pointing that out, especially like it was such an overreaction to that sweep. Tampa literally got swept the year before they went on and won the cup. So like, <laughs> stop it. Um, or when the Capitals in 2010 were like dominating and then they had that one, they hit Carey Price and then they blew up their team and it took them, you know, almost a decade to get back to where they were. So like that overreaction totally Bowman was an idiot and <laughs> everybody should call him an idiot from then on. And then yes, I also do know that whole thing was terrible too. Yeah. All right. Um, I, yeah. we, we've already talked about Bowman enough on this episode. <laughs> I, I'm good. What I want to do, I we're like, and if, if Mill, uh, Mill might roll in here at some point and join this conversation. Um, I just put, uh, I, I was trying to sit down and write an article of Patrick about Patrick Kane and just nothing was coming to mind. So instead, I put in a, a big, long thing. It's up at secondcityhockey.com. It's just called Let's Watch Some Patrick Kane Highlights. So I'm just going to go – we're just going to go around for a little bit here. I'll start with Eric. Um, I just wanted to hear some of your favorite Patrick Kane highlights. I mean, the, the heartbreaker is probably the most obvious to me. Um, just – that was the game that they, they should have locked that game up early, you know, and it kept going. So this would be and, a 2013 Western Conference final game. Five yeah, against, against, the, against Kings. the Kings. Okay. Yep. And that was just such, I think that that kind of epitomizes that era for me. Mm-hmm. It's Taves and Kane closing it out. The two of them up ice together, you know, Taves 
kind of as the complimentary player and Kane seals the deal. And then just the celebration and going back to the cup for the second time. Mm-hmm. That's the one that always immediately jumps out at me. Um, is kind of like the main one that I feel like I've probably watched the most of his highlights. Shay, your turn. If you don't have one, I can go to Betsy. The spinorama. <laughs> he literally made the <laughs> NHL change the the end. He literally made the NHL change its uh, shootout rules. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He he is one of the most talented skaters or, or, or well, stick hand, stick handlers um operating the phone booth per people uh players ever um and then the heart season yeah betsy what about you it's gonna be one of the first games i ever got to go to in chicago that was a big deal and it was um game six vancouver in the playoffs hat trick in 2009 yeah, I you, you were wait, you I've were at that game. Before. Yeah, remember? Okay, so do you remember? Like, pretty much right when I first got on the podcast, we started talking about whether or not we should have like just one podcast of people talking about the special games they've gone to, and that's like pretty much my only one. That would be the um, Mill episode because Mill's been to more. Yeah, because Mill's been to a million, yes. but like that's. I've always been like I've gone to a lot of games that are like, oh, they did okay, you know, they won, and I've gotten some play. I went to some of the Nashville playoff games, um, that kind of stuff, but that one was a special one because uh, I at my school at the time, we you didn't have to go to finals if you had a certain grade point average and um, you had perfect attendance, so my parents were like, special treat, we're going to go to two playoff games in oh, Chicago, God. so we went to games, um, the, the, two, the two games, and I was like, um, what, four and six? And mm-hmm. for they, uh, they won that one too, but it wasn't as exciting. And then, or they lost it, excuse me. They lost it in overtime. And then um, the next game was just like magic. And yeah. think about like being a kid and you're in the stands and that's what you, you get to see. And it was so electric and it was so cool. My uncle who was there with us was like, he was like the amount of profanities <laughs> coming out of him. <laughs> just in excitement was crazy and um as a kid you don't really understand how long it had been you know and that was mm-hmm. when a bunch of people who were older were like this is this team could get it you know mm-hmm. um it didn't happen that year but like there was this sense that trickled down to kids God. it was like this could happen i'm just i'm, I'm bad because that's the one i was gonna use uh because I, I i think i've tweeted this out earlier today like when that that game happened and they beat vancouver that was the like the undeniable moment that they were going to be a thing. And then I, I don't think anybody would have predicted three cups, but like that, that I, I can still hear the broadcast in my head of the, it's from candidates, Jim Houston, who voiced all the NHL video games back in the day. And he just says, BX is going to pinch. And then Kane gets the puck and goes down and scores. And then you can't hear Houston for a bit because the crowd is so loud. And I watched that. It was the day before my 22nd birthday. And I just come home from college for the summer and I was at a buddy's house and there was like 10 of us there. And it was the first time I'd ever like been able to get other friends to watch hockey with me because the Hawks had been irrelevant for so long. So, yeah. Um, But since Betsy stole mine, I do have another (laughs) one that I talked to. I think I talked about this in our episode last night that went online earlier this morning. Um, it's just the, I swear to God that Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin invented this play. Cause I'd never seen it done before, but when Kane would be, he'd skating, 
He'd have the puck in the offensive zone on the left side of the ice. He'd skate around behind the net. But as he got to like, like directly behind the net, he'd throw a backhand pass to the left side that he had just vacated. And Panarin would be there right-handed shot with a one-timer to score. And it's, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's at the website in that article I mentioned. Uh, he like, they did it. I think it was like four or five games into Panarin's tenure in Chicago. And they did it several other times. And I hope they do it again against the Rangers. Cause it was such a, it was just such a cool inventive play. And it was the kind of stuff that um, only players of a skill and just hockey IQ that Kane and Panarin both have could pull off together. And I hope to see it more at least once or twice with the Rangers, but um, Kane did, there were so many other things like that that Kane did that were very unique and just a, he is a singular category. I feel like in Blackhawks history and um, we can, I'll worry later on about the, you know, debate with Stan Mikita or whatever, who's the best player ever. Um, he's unequivocally the best player, the best Blackhawks player I've ever seen. So I, and I don't that, think, go ahead. No, I was going to say that, um, that play that you were talking about, I actually just read an article about it. Not that long ago. It has a specific name that of course I can't remember right now. Um, <laughs> But it's they basically said like it was some wacky play that someone had used at some point and no one ever used it again because it wasn't successful. And so they kind of resurrected it. And now every team has some variation of that play, basically, thanks to essentially what you said, because Kane and Panarin were able to pull it off. Yeah. I also think about, too, him and like the slowdown on the shootout which I think mm-hmm. the first time he ever did it, I think it was Nicholas Backstrom against yeah. the wild where he just, oh, yeah. Nicholas Backstrom had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> and I, I, Oh, I can't remember who was on the broadcast, but they were basically like, that was nasty. And now you see so many guys do that. Mm-hmm. Nobody had done that up until that point, you know, the slowdown, the stick handle. And I don't even know how many times he does it, 16 or 17 back and forth, which yeah. is by the time he's done, it's completely wide open and he just rails it off the back. Somebody count. I remember somebody counted the number of times that he like handled the puck and it was just an absurd number. It was, I think it was like, I want to say like in the thirties or forties, I want to say, but I don't remember exactly. So I was the one that made, I was like, Dave, you have to put shootout stuff in that. Yes. yes. Um, and I was thinking of that one and because it's beautiful. And then the other shootout that stands out in my memory for some reason is the one that was against the Detroit Red Wings where against Hashik. No, oh, no, okay. It was, it was it, Datsuk went right before him and he tried to do, I think an in between the legs thing. And it just, it, it just barely missed or slipped off. And Kane then went next and did it in between the legs and scored. <laughs> and it was one of those, like <laughs> the announcers were like, Oh, it's about showmanship. You know, they were like, yeah. this is crazy. And it was like, well, yeah, it was just Kane being a brat. But yeah, just, doing well. That also reminds me of when it was like three or four seasons. It was doing cues last season, I think, when um, they played Austin Toronto. Matthews. Austin Matthews scored a yeah. goal and did the Hulk Hogan ear to the crowd. And then Kane scored and did it right back, which I, yeah. I thought that was wonderful. Um, that was amazing. Yeah. And then Matthews scored again in the Maple Leafs one. I think that, yeah, and Matthew scored overtime and won the game, but we don't I think hockey would be so much more like, I think there needs to be more of that kind of showboaty stuff that happens in hockey because it's fun. You yeah. know, it makes not only does it, and, is it fun for the fans that are cheering for that person, but it makes other fans angry and it makes the other players angry, which part of the problem with hockey right now is there's not a whole like I feel like uh like rivalries aren't as big 
Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to be a strong rivalries. And, and I think there's, there's an element of that's part of Patrick Kane's legacy. Like there, like his nickname was Showtime and he, there was a, a bit of a braggadocio about him that uh, I think some younger players like Austin Matthews, like they are kind of emulating that. And, you know, it's, it's entertaining. Like it's, it is sports in some way it is entertainment. So like, let, let them do it. Who gives a shit? Yeah. There was a whole article this year about how the Kachuk brothers chew on their mouth guards because they grew up watching Patrick Kane. Like, I mean, and it's crazy that we're already at that point that he's Mm -hmm. like an elder statesman and all these kids are coming up talking about how much they idolized him. I mean, Zegris wanted to come to Chicago so bad just because his favorite player was Patrick Kane because he was another, you know, smaller guy who made a ton of plays like that. Eric, isn't, isn't Zegris also from the Chicagoland area? I don't think so. I thought he was. I don't think so. But well, one of them was <laughs> one of the one of the <laughs> oh, you're, one of the you're talking about uh, Turcotte. I, I think Turcotte. Zegers is from New York. Yeah, I was about to say he's in New York. Uh, okay, because I, I knew one of the higher one of the higher ranking players in that draft were was from Chicago. David Gust is from Turcotte. the Chicago area. Um, and, and Eric, I'll tell you, like I am a year older than Patrick Kane, and there are times when I'm playing in the, my shitty beer league that I've done the chew on the mouthpiece thing that Patrick Kane does. I'm not telling you I do it to emulate him, but I can tell you, like I've seen him do it on TV, and it's like a second nature thing. I don't even think about it, but it's just it, it's something that's been on my TV screen for the last 15 years, and I guess it became a habit for me at times. So it doesn't affect just younger players too. When did he stop? Was it who was it? Holmstrom who took it, who yanked it out of his mouth and threw it. <laughs> sounds, um, sounds like something Holmstrom would do. It wasn't. I, it was, go ahead. It was, it was one of the Red Wings, yeah, and and that was pretty early on. But I was just going to say I can't even remember when he stopped with the mouth guard when he stopped wearing it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's been years now at this point, but uh-huh. that yeah, I always think of kind of younger Patrick Kane with that, you know. Chewing it and wagging around all over the place. That's his yeah. NHL. Um, that's his NHL cover too. They put it in the yeah. They put it in the video game. Um, and he crazy. stopped. He stopped doing it. I I want to say in 2013, and it was something because I, like he it's superstition, something to do with 20. He didn't have a good 2012 year, and he was like, I got to do something. Yeah. All right. Well, there's one other thing we wanted to get to related to Patrick Kane, and we're going to do it on the other side of a real brief timeout. So come on back for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network, this uh, emergency edition of the show with Patrick Kane being traded to the New York Rangers today. And uh, we're doing this right now. It is uh, 517 Central Time, and there has been no official confirmation of the trade. But again, that just seems to be a formality at this point. Maybe the Blackhawks are busy preparing their uh, their PR statement that they're going to release. Um, speaking of the Blackhawks and PR statements and Patrick Kane, um, I, I guess the, the other thing related to him, and I think this is a lesson that uh, learned from the, you know, when Bobby Hall died about a month ago, that um, about the... Uh, weighing the off ice uh, issues of your professional athletes on the teams that you watch and their on ice um, just mastery that we were talking about in the last segment um, with, with everything that Patrick Kane, uh, all his transgressions off the ice, the, the cabbie incident, and then the, the stuff in Madison and then the Buffalo incident um, and then everything, all of the unpublished stories and just word of mouth around town about, 
how Patrick Kane was when he was younger. Um, I, I think that what I, it came, it seemed like it really came to a head in 2015 with whatever happened in Buffalo. And to this day, like I still feel like we'll never really know what happened that night. And um, I'm not here to really relitigate that discussion, but what I am here to talk about is the lasting legacy of that part of Kane for me was more about the way everybody in the fan base react, or I shouldn't say everybody, the way segments of the Blackhawks fan base reacted when all that happened, when Kane was still under investigation and he comes out in the ice and training camp and the first game and all that stuff. And he was getting standing ovations and people's, and then people on, on all forms of the internet were just going so staunchly going into Patrick Kane's corner to defend him when it seemed like they really did not have much reason, much basis for doing so other than the fact that Patrick Kane played on their hockey team. And so I think the main thing I, I got from that whole era is just that there was, um, I, I didn't like what, what that whole time said about the way our fan base behaved, I guess. I just, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way about the other people that I was watching Blackhawks games with. And it kind of, for a while, like it made me consider whether or not I was even going to continue doing so. Um, and I, I think I got to a point to where I, um, like, I just, I knew I was going to ultimately knew I was going to stay here at the end and just try and not try and not be a part of all that, I guess. I, I, I'm struggling to find the words that I want to say here, but um, yeah, I, I know. I just remember that, just that whole, that 2015 to 16 season just really rubbed me the wrong way, just because the way, the way so many, so many reactions to how Kane, um, that whole situation played out. And I don't know where I'm going with this. So if anybody else has under thoughts to happen, but that's, that's part of, I feel like that's part of the legacy too, is what it was like the, um, the combination of more fun than I have ever had watching any team in my entire life. And also at the same time being more turned off by other sports fans in my life. Yeah, that was, that was kind of the start of the struggles with the Blackhawks around that era. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and then we, I, we I, will never know what actually happened in that situation. Yeah. Um, I don't think she, I don't believe the victim uh, or the accuser, whichever legally I'm what you're supposed to say, uh, <laughs> is pursued it in civil court. Um, her mom yeah. kind of screwed her. It seems like, yeah, I just, I um, remember, I remember that whole case was just a very weird time. And then the other yes. thing to add on top of that is the way the Blackhawks themselves handled that. And then you could draw a pretty straight line from all of that to the other thing that so, happened yep. during Patrick Kane's career, which can't, I, well, let's not go. I'm not going to go down that part, but, um, but yeah, Kane was, was on the Kane team. In 20, in 20, in 2010, he was like 19 years old, right? He was born in 88 a year younger than me. So he would have been 22. Could, could, yeah, I was gonna say he could drink because yeah. he drank a lot on the parade. Um, yeah, my, well. my whole thoughts during that whole period, because it was really hard, especially as a as a woman, um, was a very like it just showed the. It's pretty much how everybody reacts to when you when you think about that kind of stuff. This uh, that it's always there. People love to throw out the uh, innocent until proven guilty, and I totally believe that in a lot of instances but at the same time there were people that were jumping on the he's already innocent no matter what mm, um, yes and that, that and i'm like you don't know this man he is a <laughs> random person to you that just happens to be good at a sport so why are you like willing to bend your knee at his altar when you don't know any of the facts i was on the okay i'm gonna 
I, I took a step back. I, at, for a little while I did, then I, I like came in and then I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to watch it out. And, uh, just for some reference, I was a part of my, um, at my college, I was a part of the, uh, disciplinary, um, student group. So some of this stuff was very like hit very, uh, hard. So I see like both like hit close to home and I would have both sides of this argument. So that's the path that I took and my experience kind of like led me to the, I'm going to be a fan of the team as much as I can. I'm going to try to disconnect from this as much as possible. I'm going to try to wait as much as possible. And that ended up working out okay for me, but I don't blame anybody who had to take a step back. I do blame people that were like so gun ho about, well, I refuse to believe this. And it's like, okay, okay, stop that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, weird. I, 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 it's like, I don't, I don't want anybody on any of the sports teams I cheer for to be convicted of crime. I don't want them to commit crimes because I don't want there to be victims. But at the same time, it's like, you have to be like, I, I, I don't want them to be that, but sometimes they are <laughs> like, it's just, that's just an unfortunate part of life. Sometimes people that you admire for whatever reason will let you down. It just happens. And like just the way the collective response around that, it was just such a strange time. Well, there's an aspect of it that people don't really talk about all that much, which is at the rally in 2015, he basically said, Oh, Right. You better look out, Chicago. Like I'm going to be on the prowl this summer. Yeah, and then I literally about that. Oh six my weeks God. later, or whatever. So it's almost like you know, it's there's like, a line to be drawn there. I'm not going to say it out loud. Anybody can figure out what that is for themselves. But and just the fact that, which I think is part of the issue that we've all had with it, is it's like it almost it didn't matter what he did because of what he's already done, mm-hmm. and that just gives him you know, carte blanche that he's going to have the respect. He's going to get a standing ovation coming out in his first practice. And for most of us who are a little bit more, you know, level-headed, that's just completely an obscene way to respond to all of that. You know? Yes. And yeah, just, I distinctly remember watching the rally and being like, that's kind of a messed up thing to say, especially given all the Madison stuff and kind of all the rumblings that had been around about him, you know, and the Mm -hmm. way that he had acted in public. So to kind of come out like that, that's a little, eh. and then later that summer, it's, it's just like, it was like he called his shot almost. Like, well, yeah, and that's, that's, you know, the, the stuff that you'd kind of, that's the stuff that we'd heard about him, you Mm -hmm. know, is he was that kind of guy. And, you know, so rationalizing that, you know, those two things at the same time, like, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. The, sorry, I think Betsy Shea, one of you were about to say I was going to, I was just going to say like, uh, my disconnect, like the disconnect for me was totally from fans. I didn't actually hold it that much against the Blackhawks as an organization or, or the other players because nobody's going like employers are not going to just, there weren't any charges or anything like that. So there was nothing legally they could do. I mean, you can say morally, they probably should have done more, but that was such a gray area that I was like, I'm going to try to hold, not hold that against them. Um, same thing happens in schools. Like that's just a fact. Um, and then, and then the players, those guys actually know him, but fans, 
Like, again, <laughs> you don't know this bro. Like, and he doesn't know you. He's never gonna, he's never gonna make eye contact with you and be like, oh yeah, you sat third row one time. Yeah, I know exactly who you are. Yeah. Like, just. Yeah, it, it was. Well, there was a whole column. I think it was Tim Baffle who wrote yeah. it. Um, Patrick Kane is not your friend. I, re- yeah. I remember that. And I, I remember like, I remember seeing that article and thinking like, the first thing was, yeah, I know. Like, why is this article here? And then the second part was, oh shit. Like, I feel like there's some people who might like need to read this article. And like, that was part of the problem. Um, yeah. I, the, the other thing that I'm, um, is like that happened in 2015 with Patrick, like when that all came to a head. And then obviously there has been a significant change in our culture about how we handle those things. Um, I mean, you can just point to what happened with everything with the Blackhawks last year that, um, when the, as the Kyle beach story emerged and everybody got fired. Um, I just, I, I don't know if there would have been a different handling of the Patrick Kane situation if it had happened in say 2022, but, um, I would like to think it would have just been handled. There might've been a different reaction from the people you were sitting next to at hockey games, I guess. Well, I think there was something that came out earlier this year about Ian Cole, uh, on mm-hmm. Tampa and he was suspended by Tampa while they investigated it. And then I, and this is all, I I could absolutely be wrong about this, but this is what I remember. Um, He was suspended for a brief window of time while they looked into it. And then they came back and said, in fact, that there was no truth to the allegations from, and this this was something. They they couldn't substantiate it. They, the, the person who, who, the person who uh, made the allegations uh, used a a burn or Twitter account. Um, yeah, and, that's right. uh, just, so, right. and didn't respond to messages. Yeah. But so the situations are slightly different because that happened, didn't that happen in season? So there was actual games being played versus Kane's allegations came during the summer. Yeah. They, they said the reason that they didn't suspend him was because it was an ongoing investigation, but from their accounts, nothing was like, and obviously their accounts were just Kane's, but still, <laughs> you know, um, from their perspective, there was nothing that they could, that they had done their supposed due diligence and like, it was just a different time frame. I think if it had happened in season, there might've been a bigger shit storm, but yeah, I don't, it's, it was such a dark, <laughs> weird place. And then he went on and, and won the R like it was, well, it was, it was, that was a really strange season because like, um, he like, he turned all of that. Like, I think he said was quoted as saying as much that he kind of turned all of that, into fuel to have probably the best season of his career. And like, it's, it's a weird compartmentalization for an athlete to do, but that's also kind of how they, how they work that they can turn anything into uh fuel to drive them forward. Like Michael Jordan used to make up stories as was revealed in that last dance documentary. He used to just make shit up out of the air and make up stories about his opponents and use that to drop 50 points on them. So um, it's a we- it was a weird th- way to do it, I guess, but I, that's what Kane did. I, yeah, that w- I remember. Just that was that was a really uncomfortable, weird season in general. Well, and th- that's just what he did the last four games of his career. You know, as a black yeah. at least for now, yeah. is, I, um, he felt much, slighted and then yeah. came out and yeah, and a, a much nuts. a much different set of circumstances. So like, like everybody telling him that he's old and washed and he sucks, which I can identify with that right now. But, uh, he was able to turn that into like uh, seven goals or 10 points in four games. And now he's in New York. Um, the, and the only thing I'll say, like, I, I don't, 
you can't credit. I don't want to credit Kane for like not getting in trouble because the standard should not be staying. Uh, the standard should not be just being a decent person. But I think there's there was some one of the Blackhawks players went on another podcast and casually let it slip that Kane pretty much stopped drinking after that. And like he seems like he's become an adult. So at least we haven't had to deal with anything else in the last eight years. I think that's part of the reason why um, there's not there's not as much of a um, a fervor around all of that, that like when Bobby Hall died because Bobby Hall was like in his well beyond his playing days he was still doing a lot of the things that people didn't like about him when he was younger and I at least like seems like Kane has stopped has grown up I guess for lack of a better word so yeah so I mean he, he removed himself from like if you there was somebody who came on um second second city hockey that said that they knew like that, that Kane played and like everybody knew who he was in South Buffalo and all this other stuff mm-hmm. like he was wild and everybody's wild there and whether or not it was by Kane's own decision or the team told him, Hey, you can't go back to Buffalo. Kane doesn't go to Buffalo anymore. So he completely removed himself from that situation with those friends. Um, so like, however the decisions were made, he did make, he removed himself from that. He doesn't drink. Um, he's, I don't know. He was technically with his girlfriend at the same time this happened, but you know, like, all of it points to there's been at least on the surface level growth. And I guess you can commend that for a degree. Like you should commend that to a degree. It's just, it's, it's still tainted a little. There's still like some in the back of your mind, you're still like, I don't know what actually happened. So there's, there's, and there's (laughs) always going to be some level of staying on Kim in that whole era because of the Kyle beach situation and whether the, how much the players were, culpable or part of it whatever is is uh something that can be debated plenty elsewhere because we might have to have the same discussion in a month with jonathan taves as well so who knows yeah all right well i i don't have anything else to add any other final thoughts before we wrap this all up i don't think he's nope. coming back <laughs> um, <laughs> okay Okay. I don't. Eric, but, Eric's here to smash JMI's like. <laughs> well, the the one thing I will say is they will have more money than anyone to spend if they want to bring him back, and they'll probably give him much more of a contract than anyone else would. So that's the one thing that I could see. But I feel it's it's gone. You know, it's not completely severed. Obviously, the relationship, but enough for now. I don't know where else he would go. He's obviously made tons of money. Um, but especially if New York, you know, does something somewhat interesting, but doesn't win the whole thing. Maybe he takes a really cheap deal to go back there and give it another shot. Uh, maybe he goes to Buffalo, you know, for a year or two. I don't know, but I just, I, I don't, don't think he wants to go back to Buffalo at this point. Yeah, I think he's, I think, he's done with that city. I think the only people that were convinced he was going back to Buffalo were people in Buffalo. Um, I could see him like it's, like it seems like maybe some of the other like upstart teams that need a guy to put them over the top. Like one thought I had was the New Jersey devils um, because Timo Meyer is a restricted free agent. I don't know. Well, I guess if they keep him, they may not need Kane, but um, I just don't uh, my, my thought as, as I've gotten into, I haven't gotten too far into other team salary cap situations yet, but it seems like the Blackhawks can give him more money than anybody else and would be the most desirable out of the options that he would have because the teams that probably have salary cap space are probably not the teams that are going to be competing for a cup. And if Kane's not going to come back to Chicago, he's going to go somewhere to compete, I would assume. But um, 
I I I I won't close the door on Patrick Kane coming back to Chicago. Uh, I I won't go quite as far as Eric is, but I am. I would say I'm at like a 20, 15 to twenty percent that it would actually happen. I I lean heavily against it. So that's where I'm at. So I I whatever that means for everyone. I mean, if this was uh, Stan Bowman was still in charge, we know all about his track record of reacquiring former Blackhawks. So. I, we don't know if Kyle Davidson has that gene yet, so guess we'll find out. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, for for reasons beyond this situation, for um, Max Domi reasons, let's hope uh, not. Well, I'm just I'm. We're, let's just sign off before I say something mean. Okay. And trade Max Domi. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this uh, emergency edition of Musings at Madison. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for Eric and Shay and Betsy for coming on on very short notice to have this discussion. Uh, thank you again for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week after the trade deadline with whatever the hell the Blackhawks have done then. We'll talk to you then. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. This uh, emergency edition of the show with Patrick Kane being traded to the New York Rangers today. And uh, we're doing this right now. It is uh, 517 Central Time, and there has been no official confirmation of the trade. But again, that just seems to be a formality at this point. Maybe the Blackhawks are busy preparing their uh, their PR statement that they're going to release. Um, speaking of the Blackhawks and PR statements and Patrick Kane, um, I, I guess the the other thing related to him, and I think this is a lesson that uh, learned from the, you know, when Bobby Hall died about a month ago, that um, about the uh, – weighing the off ice uh, issues of your professional athletes on the teams that you watch and their on ice um, just mastery that we were talking about in the last segment um, with, with everything that Patrick Kane, uh, all his transgressions off the ice, the, the cabbie incident, and then the, the stuff in Madison and then the Buffalo incident um, and then everything, all of the unpublished stories and just word of mouth around town about, how Patrick Kane was when he was younger. Um, I, I think that what I, it came, it seemed like it really came to a head in 2015 with whatever happened in Buffalo. And to this day, like I still feel like we'll never really know what happened that night. And um, I'm not here to really relitigate that discussion, but what I am here to talk about is the lasting legacy of that part of Kane for me was more about, the way everybody in the fan base react, or I shouldn't say everybody, the way segments of the Blackhawks fan base reacted when all that happened, when Kane was still under investigation and he comes out in the ice and training camp and the first game and all that stuff. And he was getting standing ovations and people's, and then people on, on all forms of the internet were just going so staunchly going into Patrick Kane's corner to defend him when it seemed like they really did not have much reason, much basis for doing so other than the fact that Patrick Kane played on their hockey team. And so I think the main thing I, I got from that whole era is just that there was, um, I, I didn't like what, what that whole time said about the way our fan base behaved, I guess. I just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way about the other people that I was watching Blackhawks games with. And it kind of, for a while, like it made me consider whether or not I was even going to continue doing so. Um, and I, I think I got to a point to where I, um, like, I just, I knew I was going to ultimately knew I was going to stay here at the end and just try and not try and not be a part of all that, I guess I, I I'm struggling to find the words that I want to say here, but, um, yeah, I, I don't. I just remember that just that whole that 
2015 to 16 season just really rubbed me the wrong way just because the way the way so many so many reactions to how Kane um that whole situation played out and I don't know where I'm going with this so if anybody else is under thoughts to add but that's that's part of I feel like that's part of the legacy too was what it was like the um the combination of more fun than I have ever had watching any team in my entire life and also at the same time being more turned off by other sports fans in my life yeah that was that was kind of the start of the struggles with the Blackhawks around that era yeah um well, we, and then we, I, we I will never know what actually happened in that situation. Yeah. Um, I don't think she, I don't believe the victim uh, or the accuser, whichever legally I'm you're supposed <laughs> to say, uh, is pursued it in civil court. Um, her mom yeah. kind of screwed her. It seems like. Yeah, I just I um, remember I remember that whole case was just a very weird time. And then the other yes. thing to add on top of that is the way the Blackhawks themselves handled that, and then you could draw a pretty straight line from all of that to the other thing that so, happened yep. during Patrick Kane's career, which can't, I, well, let's not go. I'm not going to go down that part, but, um, but yeah, Kane How old was, was on the Kane team. in 20, in 20, in 2010. He was like 19 years old, right? He was born in 88 a year younger than me. So uh, he would have been 22. Yeah. I don't know he could drink because no. he drank a lot on the parade. Um, yeah, my, well, my whole thoughts during that whole period, cause it was really hard, especially, as a, as a woman, um, was a very, like, it just showed the, it's pretty much how everybody reacts to when you, when you think about that kind of stuff, this, uh, that it's always there. People love to throw out the, uh, innocent until proven guilty. And I totally believe that in a lot of instances, but at the same time, there were people that were jumping on the, he's already innocent, no matter what. Mm, yes. um, and that, that, and I'm like, you don't know this man. He is a <laughs> random person to you that just happens to be good at a sport. So why are you like willing to bend your knee at his altar when you don't know any of the facts? I was on the, okay, I'm going to, I took a step back I, uh, for a little while. I did. Then I, I like came in and then I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to watch it out. And uh, just for some reference, I was a part of my, um, at my college, I was a part of the uh, disciplinary um, student group. So some of this stuff was very like hit very uh, hard. So I see like both like hit close to home and I would have both sides of this argument. So that's the path that I took in my experience kind of like led me to the, I'm going to be a fan of the team as much as I can. I'm going to try to disconnect from this as much as possible. I'm going to try to wait as much as possible. And that ended up working out okay for me, but I don't blame anybody who had to take a step back. I do blame people that were like, so gun ho about, well, I refuse to believe this. And it's like, okay, okay, stop that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, weird. I, 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 it's like, I don't, I don't want anybody on any of the sports teams I cheer for to be convicted of crime. I don't want them to commit crimes because I don't want there to be victims. But at the same time, it's like, you have to be like, I, I, I don't want them to be that, but sometimes they are like, it's just, that's just an unfortunate part of life. Sometimes people that you admire for whatever reason will let you down. It just happens. And like just the way the collective response around that, it was just such a strange time. Well, there's an aspect of it that people don't really talk about all that much, which is at the rally in 2015, he basically said, Oh, right. 
you better look out, Chicago. Like, I'm going to be on the prowl this summer. Yeah. And then literally about that. Oh six my weeks God. later. Or whatever. So it's almost like, you know, there's a line to be drawn there. I'm not going to say it out loud. Anybody can figure out what that is for themselves. But And just the fact that, which I think is part of the issue that we've all had with it, is it's like it almost it didn't matter what he did because of what he's already done. Mm-hmm. And that just gives him you know, carte blanche that he's going to have the respect. He's going to get a standing ovation coming out in his first practice. And for most of us who are a little bit more, you know, level-headed, that's just completely an obscene way to respond to all of that, you know? Yes. And yeah, just, I distinctly remember watching the rally and being like, that's kind of a messed up thing to say, especially given all the Madison stuff and kind of all the rumblings that had been around about him, you know, and the Mm -hmm. way that he had acted in public. So to kind of come out like that, that's a little, eh. and then later that summer, it's, it's just like, it was like he called his shot almost. Like, well, yeah, and that's, that's, you know, the, the stuff that you'd kind of, that's the stuff that we'd heard about him, you Mm -hmm. know, is he was that kind of guy. And, you know, so rationalizing that, you know, those two things at the same time, like, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. The, sorry, I think Betsy Shea, one of you were about to say, I was going to, I was just going to say like, uh, my disconnect, like the disconnect for me was totally from fans. I didn't actually hold it that much against the Blackhawks as an organization or, or the other players because nobody's going like employers are not going to just, there weren't any charges or anything like that. So there was nothing legally they could do. I mean, you can say morally, they probably should have done more, but that was such a gray area that I was like, I'm going to try to hold, not hold that against them. Um, same thing happens in schools. Like that's just a fact. Um, and then, and then the players, those guys actually know him, but fans, like, again, <laughs> you don't know this bro. Like, and he doesn't know you. He's never gonna, he's never gonna make eye contact with you and be like, Oh yeah, you sat third row one time. Yeah. I know exactly who you are. Yeah. Like just. Yeah. It, it was, well, there was a whole column. I think it was Tim Baffle who wrote yeah. it. Um, Patrick, Patrick Kane is not your friend. I re- yeah. I remember that, and I I remember like I remember seeing that article and thinking like the first thing was yeah I know like why is this article here and then the second part was oh shit like I feel like there's some people who might like need to read this article and like that was part of the problem um yeah I, the the other thing that I'm um is like that happened in 2015 with Patrick like when that all came to a head. And then obviously there has been a significant change in our culture about how we handle those things. Um, I mean, you can just point to what happened with everything with the Blackhawks last year that um, when the, as the Kyle Beach story emerged and everybody got fired. Um, I just, I, I don't know if there would have been a different handling of the Patrick Kane situation if it had happened in say 2022, but um, I would like to think it would have been handled. There might've been a different reaction from the people you were sitting next to at hockey games, I guess. Well, I think there was something that came out earlier this year about Ian Cole uh, on Tampa, <laughs> and he was suspended by Tampa while they investigated it. And then he, I, and this is all I, I could absolutely be wrong about this, but this is what I remember. Um, he was suspended for a brief window of time while they looked into it, and then they came back and said, in fact, that there was no truth to the allegations from and this, this, and this was something. 
they couldn't substantiate it. They the the person who who the person who uh, made the allegations uh, used a, a burner Twitter account. Um, yeah, and, that's right. Uh, just, so, and didn't respond to messages. Yeah, but so the situations are slightly different because that happened. Didn't that happen in season? So there was actual games being played versus Kane's allegations came during the summer. Yeah. They, they said the reason that they didn't suspend him was because it was an ongoing investigation, but from their accounts, nothing was like, and obviously their accounts were just Kane's, but still, <laughs> you know, um, from their perspective, there was nothing that they could, that they had done their supposed due diligence. And like, it was just a different time frame. I think if it had happened in season, there might've been a bigger shitstorm. but yeah. I don't. It's it was such a dark, weird place. And then he went on and and won the R. Like it was. Well, it was it was that was a really strange season because like, um, he like he turned all of that like I think he said was quoted as saying as much that he kind of turned all of that into fuel to have probably the best season of his career. And like, it's it's a weird compartmentalization for an athlete to do, but that's also kind of how they how they work that they can turn anything into uh fuel to drive them forward. Like Michael Jordan used to make up stories as was revealed in that last dance documentary. He used to just make shit up out of the air and make up stories about his opponents and use that to drop 50 points on them. So um, it's a, we- it was a weird th- way to do it, I guess, but I, that's what Kane did. I, yeah, that w- I remember just, that was, that was a really uncomfortable, weird season in general. Well, and that's just what he did the last four games of his career, you know, as a black yeah. at least for now. Yeah. A, a, he a felt much, slighted and then yeah. came out. And yeah. And a much, nuts. a much different set of circumstances. So like, like everybody telling him that he's old and washed and he sucks, which I can identify with that right now. But uh, he was turned, able to turn that into like uh, seven goals or 10 points in four games. And now he's in New York. Um, the, and the only thing I'll say, like, I, I don't want, you can't credit. I don't want to credit Kane for like not getting in trouble because the standard should not be staying. Uh, the standard should not be just being a decent person. But I think there's, there's some, one of the Blackhawks players went on another podcast and casually let it slip that Kane pretty much stopped drinking after that. And like, he seems like he's become an adult. So at least we haven't had to deal with anything else in the last eight years. I think that's part of the reason why, um, there's not, there's not as much of a, um, a fervor around all of that, that like when Bobby Hall died, because Bobby Hall was like, and it's well beyond his playing days. He was still doing a lot of the things that people didn't like about him when he was younger. And I, th- at least like, seems like Kane has stopped, has grown up, I guess, for lack of a better word. So. Yeah. I mean, he, he removed himself from like, if you, there was somebody who came on um, second, second city hockey that said that, they knew like that Kane played and like everybody knew who he was in South Buffalo and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like he was wild and everybody's wild there. And whether or not it was by Kane's own decision or the team told him, Hey, you can't go back to Buffalo. Kane doesn't go to Buffalo anymore. So he completely removed himself from that situation with those friends. Um, so like, however the decisions were made, he did make, he removed himself from that. He doesn't drink. Um, he's, I don't know. He was technically with his girlfriend at the same time this happened, but you know, like all of it points to there's been at least on the surface level growth. And I guess you can commend that for a degree. 
like you should commend that to a degree. It's just, it's, it's still tainted a little. There's still like some in the back of your mind, you're still like, I don't know what actually happened. So there's, there's, and there's always going to be some level of staying on Kim in that whole era because of the Kyle beach situation and whether the, how much the players were culpable or part of it, whatever is, is uh, something that can be debated plenty elsewhere because we might have to have the same discussion in a month with Jonathan Taves as well. So who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't have anything else to add. Any other final thoughts before we wrap this all up? I don't think he's nope. coming back. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. I don't. Eric, but, Eric's the, here to smash Shamai's like. <laughs> well, the, the one thing I will say is they will have more money than anyone to spend if they want to bring him back and they'll probably give him much more of a contract than anyone else would. So that's the one thing that I could see, but I feel it's, it's gone. You know, it's not completely severed, obviously the relationship, but enough for now, I don't know where else he would go. He's obviously made tons of money. Um, but especially if New York, you know, does something, Somewhat interesting, but doesn't win the whole thing. Maybe he takes a really cheap deal to go back there and give it another shot. Uh, maybe he goes to Buffalo, you know, for a year or two. I don't know, but I just, I, I don't, don't think he wants to go back to Buffalo at this point. Yeah. I think he's, I think, he's done with that city. I think the only people that were convinced he was going back to Buffalo were people in Buffalo. Um, I could see him like, it's like, it seems like maybe some of the other like upstart teams that need a guy to put them over the top. Like one thought I had was the New Jersey Devils. Um, because Timo Meyer is a restricted free agent. I don't know. Well, I guess if they keep him, they may not need Kane, but, um, I just don't, uh, my, my thought as, as I've gotten into, I haven't gotten too far into other team salary cap situations yet, but it seems like the Blackhawks can give him more money than anybody else and would be the most desirable out of the options that he would have because the teams that probably have salary cap space are probably not the teams that are going to be competing for a cup. And if Kane's not going to come back to Chicago, he's going to go somewhere to compete, I would assume. But um, I, 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 I won't close the door on Patrick Kane coming back to Chicago. Uh, I, I won't go quite as far as Eric is, but I am. I would say I'm at like a 20, 15 to twenty percent that it would actually happen. I, I lean heavily against it. So that's where I'm at. So. I, I, whatever that means for everyone. I mean, if this was, uh, Stan Bowman was still in charge. We know all about his track record of reacquiring former Blackhawks. So I, we don't know if Kyle Davidson has that gene yet. So guess we'll find out. Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. For, for reasons beyond this situation. For um, Max Domi reasons. Let's certainly uh, hope not. Let's, well, I'm just, I'm, let's just sign off before I say something mean. Okay. And trade Max Domi. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this uh, emergency edition of Musings at Madison. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for Eric and Shay and Betsy for coming on on very short notice to have this discussion. Uh, thank you again for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week after the trade deadline with whatever the hell the Blackhawks have done then. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>